Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, you may learn something today. That'd be all right, wouldn't it, that we might learn something? Well, picture in your mind the high priest uh, going into the Holy of Holies and approaching the mercy seat. And he was to sprinkle the blood seven times in that holy place. And we have to realize that we have to get perspective here. We, we, we have to look at the main thing. The main thing is the main thing. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And I want to just address all of you who are under 35, but this is for all of us. Our commitment to Christ and the fellowship of believers is really not predicated on the coolness of the culture. It's not predicated on the personality of the leader. It must be based on the person of Jesus Christ and the authenticity of Scripture. Because if we don't, we lose our way. If we don't, we end up in South America drinking Kool-Aid. Because if we don't, we, 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 we take the off-ramp, we get sidetracked, we, we, we get off course. And here, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with the basin of blood and he would sprinkle it around and on the Ark of the Covenant and on the mercy seat. Now the mercy seat is that area of the lid of the Ark between the wings of the cherubim. Now we're, we're Indiana Jones here, okay? So you'll get some perspective here. And inside the Ark are the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, a, a, a container of the manna that fell from heaven. So when God looked down between the wings of the cherubim, he saw his holy law. But he also realized that we couldn't keep the law. The law made no one perfect and no one is saved through the law. But the law gave us the indication and the schooling as a schoolmaster pointing us to Jesus and the blood of the old covenant pointed us to the blood of the new covenant. And so when God would look down and see his holy law, there was something that covered the lid of that ark. And it was the blood. And so instead of seeing the law that God's people broke, he saw the blood that was sprinkled on top of the mercy seat. So if you will picture that in your mind, you will kind of get an idea of where we're going. Uh, Jesus shed his blood. And he shed his blood, we know, in several places, but just as that blood was shed and sprinkled seven times, we do know that Jesus shed his blood seven, seven different ways. And let me give you those very quickly. Number one, we know in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying, he was agonizing, Father, let this cup pass from me. The writer Luke says that his sweat became like drops of blood. Now, whether we know that figuratively or literally, there's a lot of debate. We don't know, but we do know the reference of blood was there as he agonized in the garden. The first place they took him outside of the garden was the palace of the high priest. Annas was the uh, father-in-law of Caiaphas and probably passed down through genealogy. Probably Annas didn't have any sons, so the son-in-law took the high priest's position. So there as he is in this kangaroo court and they're trying him, trying to find false witnesses against him, we do know from scripture they beat him there. 
The Bible says they buffeted him. They beat him. They pulled his beard from his face according to Isaiah. Can you imagine someone taking a portion of your beard and literally ripping it out from your face? I mean, horrific. So we know he shed his blood there in the palace of the high priest. And then they sent him to Pilate. Of course, Pilate, as you know, had the soldiers scourge him. Now that is a severe beating. They, they took what they called the cat of nine tails and it was wrapped up in bone and glass and steel and metal and they would take that whip and they literally lacerated the body of Jesus. And these people who did this were very skilled at the beating and the lashing and the whipping. And they lashed him up and down and sideways and... Isaiah said his body, his visage, was marred more than any man's. Listen, when they took him down off the cross, I'm sure you had to take a good look to see even who this was. And his body bled from the wounds that gaped from his back and his side, wrapping around his body. They lashed him, and then they put a crown of thorns and shoved them on his head, and he bled from his brow. The garden... The high priest, the lashes, the scourging, the crown of thorns, then up the Via Della Rosa. He walked with his cross. He fell under the weight of the cross. Simon of Cyrene took the cross. They went to Golgotha. They went to Calvary. And there the Roman soldiers nailed him to a cross. So in his hands and his wrists, as they put the spikes through, his precious blood oozed and bled from the wound in his hands. Then they took his feet and they crossed them and they took a spike and they drove them through both feet, nailing him to the cross. And lastly, number seven. As Jesus died and gave up the ghost, and he cried with a loud voice, that Roman soldier took a spear or a lance and went up to the side of Jesus and pierced his side and out of his side came blood and water. Just as that high priest would sprinkle the blood seven times, we know at least seven times Jesus poured his blood out just as that blood was given in the Holy of Holies. Can I hear an amen? amen. The blood was required to be sprinkled seven times. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. Here's a verse you're very familiar with. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even unto death. Now th there's two things here very very important. Number one we need the blood of the lamb. We must have the blood of the lamb. How many of you going to help me preach today? We have to have the blood of the lamb. It is required. It is necessary. But it also says we're made overcomer but not just by the blood but by the word of our testimony. Now, this means that we speak of, we talk of. Now, the, the overcoming is the wicked one, your adversary, the enemy. He will come in to kill, steal, and destroy. Can I hear an amen? So when he comes in, what do you do? The blood speaks for you, and you have to speak for you. And, and when I say speak for you, let me tell you what you speak of. You speak for what he's done for you. So we have to realize that the application of the blood is important. Now here's where we're going this morning. How is the blood applied to my life? Nobody sprinkled blood on me, but by faith you did. How many of you realize this is a faith journey? 
Everything that's done in this kingdom must be done by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So here we are. We, we know that this is important. We have to have the blood of the Lamb to be an overcomer. We have to declare the word of our testimony to be an overcomer. And the blood is to be sprinkled in our life. I want to give you this morning seven ways the blood is sprinkled in your life. Here's number one. If you have a pencil and paper, write it down. The blood is sprinkled on you through redemption. The blood is sprinkled on you through redemption. Now, don't take my word for, for this because you should never trust the word of a preacher. I deserve a better amen than that. You really should never take the word of a preacher unless he can back it up scripturally. Now listen to the word of God. This is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. For in him, the him is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. So how do we have redemption? It's through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his, of his grace. Now redemption means to buy back. The Lord had to purchase you back. When did we lose it? We lost it in the garden. So what is he doing? He's redeeming us back. He's buying us back. How did he buy us back? One of the ways he bought us back is through his blood. We have redemption by his blood. Say that with me. We have redemption by his blood. Now let's all say it. Here we go. We have redemption by his blood. It's through his blood we are redeemed. First Peter chapter 1, you know this very well. Knowing that you're not redeemed by corruptible things, such as silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. What Peter does, he refers us back to Passover. Now, why do you say that, Pastor? When he said without blemish, without spot, he is giving us the characteristic of the Passover lamb, and behold, here is the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world, and the sins of the world are redeemed, purchased, by the blood of Jesus. The blood is applied to you, applied to me through redemption. Psalm 107 verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who has been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now, how should the redeemed respond? By saying so. We're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by what? The word of our testimony. What's your testimony? It's your say-so. It's your say-so. Your redemption is your say-so. So when the enemy comes in, when you feel down, when you feel oppressed, when you feel all these things coming to you, what do you do? You say-so. You confess. You speak the word of God. I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I say-so. What does that do for me, Pastor? It makes you an overcomer according to Scripture. So the blood is applied to you by redemption. Here, here's another verse that uh, you're very familiar with. 1 John chapter 1. But here's the key. The second way the blood is applied to you is for cleansing. The blood comes to you for cleansing. For redemption, for cleansing. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How much sin? All sin. So when you come to the Lord, he cleanses you from what? All sin. Well, what about last week? Yeah, you got that one. What about yesterday? Yeah, you got that one. What about five years ago? Yeah, you got that one. Aren't you glad he got them? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Now, now look at verse 7. 
This word cleanses us is an ongoing word. Not only were you cleansed, he's still cleansing you. Now let me tell you why you need to know this. Because you may have a hiccup along the way. You, you may say something, do something, or not do something you should have done. Sin of omission, sin of commission. And guess what? The blood is still active. The blood is still alive. The blood is still cleansing. The, the, the blood is cleansing you. It cleanses us according to Scripture. Then notice this. We haven't walked. We're walking. We haven't fellowship. We're still fellowshipping. The blood is still cleansing. You, you see how this is ongoing? You, you got to get the spirit of the scripture here. The blood is still cleansing us from all sin. Psalm 51, th this is a psalm that you know. It's when David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband. So if we have any adulterous murdering people here, this is good news for you today. David is in a desperate place in his life. David is in a horrible place in his life. But look at verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Now, Pastor Mike, it doesn't refer to blood there, but really it does. You have to understand Scripture. How many of you know Scripture unlocks Scripture? Do you know how they got the blood on the doorpost in Exodus 12? To keep the destroyer out. The Bible says the way that they applied the blood was by hyssop. Mm -hmm. They would take a stalk or a grouping of hyssop and they would dip it in the basin of the blood and with that hyssop they would apply it to both sides of the doorpost and the lintel or the top of the boast. That's how they applied the blood. So David is now referring to the blood of the Passover lamb and he says purge me with hyssop. That's the reference. They knew what he was saying. And I shall be clean. Yeah. We are being cleansed. We have been cleansed. And tomorrow we'll be cleansed again because you need an ongoing cleansing. Amen. This is an ongoing walk. This is an ongoing fellowship according to 1 John. Now the third thing here is justification. Justification it's something that we need because when I get before the Lord, how in the world will I ever be justified? I know me. I know you. You're not going to do so good, are you? Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So how are we justified? We're justified through and by his blood. So how could you, and here's the definition, and some people don't like it, but for the lack of a better one, and I, I kind of like this, how can you be justified, big word, how can you stand before the Lord just as if you never sinned? How can I stand before the Lord just as if I never sinned? Let me tell you how. Because of the blood of Jesus, I have been justified. What he did at the cross, his work of salvation, not for him because he had no sin, but for me because I had sin, I need to be justified. And you have to be justified. And justification comes by the blood of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now here's another one, sanctification. So the, the fourth way the blood's applied to you is through sanctification. Hebrews 13, 12, 
Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means he has set you apart. You are in the world, but you're not of the world. So when this world is wrapped in sheets of flaming fire, aren't you glad the Lord knows who are his? So, so what does he do? He says, okay, this is my child, this is my son, this is my daughter, this is my kid. I've set you apart. You're different. You're, you're not like everybody else because the blood has been sanctifying you. The, the blood has set you apart. I shared this in the early service. I was listening to someone and they're talking about the blood of Jesus and, and the person responded to them in a negative way and said, you know, I, I just don't know. It seems like the, the world's worse off today than it was before. I don't know if the blood's still working today. And I love the answer the person gave. says, you know what, there's probably more soaps in the world today than there's ever been, but there's probably still a lot of dirty people in the world. How many of you have ever shot by them? Been in the bus by them? Listen, there's a lot of soap in the world, but unless you use it, you'll still be dirty. You've got to apply the blood for the blood to work. The blood is here. The blood is still flowing. The blood is still redeeming and cleansing and sanctifying. Can I hear an amen? But we have to apply the blood... To our life. Here's the fifth thing. Spiritual life and eternal life. The blood's applied to us for spiritual life and eternal life. Now John 6, this is a verse you're very familiar with. The chapter where he, he feeds a lot of people, feeds the multitude. He's performing miracles and people are following him. How many of you would agree with me, people love the benefits? They love the benefits. I'm going to follow him as long as he is ordering Long John Silver. I'm going to follow him as long as he is healing, as long as he's doing miracles, as long as he's doing signs and wonders. I'm going to follow him. But chapter 6 is a pivotal part of the ministry of Jesus. Because this is what he does. And he said to them, verse 53, Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, if you have a King James Bible, it says, Verily, verily. Now, whenever Jesus says verily, verily, or truly, truly, this is what he's saying. Listen up, listen up. This is important, this is important. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on that last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And they said, whoa, whoa. We were doing pretty good when we were eating the fish. We are doing pretty good when we were eating the biscuits. We are doing pretty good when he was healing. But man, when he starts saying, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, we're not going to follow him anymore. And that, the Bible is very clear. From that moment on, most of them quit following him. Most of them quit following him. This is when Peter... And the rest of the twelve are there. And Jesus turns to them and said, Are you going to leave me also? And Peter said, Where would we go? You're the only one who has the words to eternal life. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, he says, You have no life in you and there's no eternal life for you. 
You know what we did a few moments ago? Through communion, we ate of his flesh and we drank of his blood. We came together and we participated in what he said his disciples should do, remembering what he did, the sacrifice that he gave, and looking to the future of his coming. Now, let's get a little deeper in this because this is so important. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing, Paul said, which we bless, it is not the communion. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So years later, we're talking about 30, 60, maybe more years after Jesus had that last supper with his disciples, the church is still carrying that on and says this is the communion of his blood. This is the communion of his body. And Jesus said this is what we do because if we do, what do we have? We have life, spiritual life, and we have eternal life. And this is what somebody's going to say. Well, I got life. I'm alive. I'm just as strong as you. I'm just as virile as you. I'm just as alive as you. Oh, yeah, that's true. But once this life is over, you're dead. And you're not only dead physically, you're dead spiritually. But when you and I die, here's the good news. We have eternal life. And not only are we going to have eternal life, you have eternal life right now. You say, well, Am I going to live forever? Not in this body. But I'm telling you, the inner man that's been redeemed and washed and justified and sanctified, according to Scripture, you have spiritual life and you have eternal life. Now, let's go on. He, he keeps hammering this. Chapter 11, verse 23. For I reckon from the Lord that which I also received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. The Lord on that same night in which he was betrayed took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and said, Eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup after the supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So what are we doing? We're saying this is what he did, but he's coming back. He is coming back. He is going to return again. Now, as often as you do this, how often is often? I don't know. We, we do it about every month here. I like what one guy said to another. He said, well, y'all sure take communion a lot. And he says, well, we, we do it often. He, he, he didn't say as seldom as you do this. And how many of you know some people do it very seldom? But I, I, I'm not grasping at straws or trying to uh, nitpick, but this is what we know. We are doing what he said do, proclaiming what he's done, and looking to his coming. And it revolves around him shedding his blood. Here's the sixth way the blood benefits you and is applied to you. It's through intercession. Through intercession. Now, Listen to Hebrews 12, this is verse 22 through 24. But you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Now, the word there is the word myriad. You've come to myriads and myriads of angels. In that culture, in ancient times, they didn't know what quadrillion was. 
They didn't know what a billion was. So they had words that they used was a myriad, 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000. That is saying there's so many angels here, we can't count them. There, there's so many angels, it's beyond our way to even grasp how many angels there are. But he says, this is what you've come to, the joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, spirits of righteous, made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator, everybody say mediator, of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, here, this is important. Look at verses 23-24. We have a judge and we have a mediator. Got to get it. Say it with me. We have a judge and we have a mediator. Now the word mediator is used about six times in your Bible. And it comes from the word that means to get in the middle. To get in the middle. It means the in-between. Our vocabulary today would be it's an arbitrator, one who intervenes, a reconciler, one who brings peace between two parties. Now, the judge wants justice. And here's the person being judged over here. And you and I are not going to come out good in this because the wages of sin is death. And this is what I know about you. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We always say Paul is not from the south. And he didn't say y'all have sinned. He said we've all sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But watch this. There is someone who is stepping in between us. The mediator. The advocate. The intercessor. And when the judgment wants to say you're guilty, the blood is saying no. The blood says no. Just as the blood is marked on the doorpost of that house, and when the destroyer wants to come in, the blood is speaking. If you were here last week, we know the blood has a voice, and the blood speaks. And the blood is saying under that old Passover covenant, don't come in here, destroyer. This house is covered under the blood. You can't come in here. Death, you can't come in here. And just as judgment is coming to all humanity, the intercessor, the mediator is saying, innocent, justified, set apart. Not because of what you did, but because of what he did. Wow. Now notice this. This is interesting. That this blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. What does that mean? You know what Abel's blood is saying? Vengeance. 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 But the blood of Jesus has a better voice. Did you see it? The blood of Jesus has a better voice. You know what the blood of Jesus is saying? Mercy. Grace, mine. So when judgment falls, and you're there and I'm there, and judgment's coming your way, the mediator steps in between. The, the me mediator gets in between so that you and I can be justice. That, that high priest on the old covenant, you couldn't get the whole nation in the Holy of Holies. You couldn't get all those people in the Holy of Holies. You know what that high priest did? He went in there for everyone. 
and sprinkled the blood. That blood was sprinkled for the entire nation. And there we have a high priest that went into the holy place. And let me tell you, he was the sacrifice. It's his blood and he offered it himself. Hallelujah. He is the high priest. He is the sacrifice and it's his blood. Wow. We got to get this down, church. We, we, we got to know this. This is how it's applied to our life. Here's the last one. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. It's by access. The blood's applied for your access. Hebrews 4 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. How can you and I come boldly? To the Lord. How can we come boldly? Listen to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Therefore brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance. In faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession. Everybody say confession. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. We're made overcomers by the word of our testimony. You must have a confession of hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So, so watch this. Now we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies. That high priest could not come into that place unless he did certain things. Here's one of them. He took a handful of incense and put it on the altar of incense so that a cloud would cover the holy place. You know what that is? That's worship. You ever wonder why we sing before we preach? It's the pattern of the Word of God. And then he would go in with the blood. And how many times would he sprinkle it? Seven times. He'd sprinkle the blood seven times in there. If he went in there without worship, and without blood, he'd die. I mean, you do know the fringe of the high priest's garments had bells and pomegranates around it. Can you say this in church? He tinkled when he walked. But you know what I mean? So when he walked, you could hear the bells. If he went in there and he was not right with God, he didn't bring the right sacrifice. If he went in there without blood, the Shekinah glory of God would kill him. They couldn't go in and get him. They tied a rope to his ankle. They had to drag him out from under the veil. But you and I, can you imagine that high priest being a little timid to go in there? A little iffy to go in there? Guess what? You and I have boldness to go in there now. We're bold to go in there. We, 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 we gladly go in there. But we got to have blood to go in there. What blood do we have? The blood of Jesus gives us boldness to go into that place. So when you don't feel like you're worthy, you're not justified, you're not sanctified, then you've got to make a confession. I have the boldness to go in and petition God because of the blood of Jesus. And I confess that. And I'm going to do that. Can I hear an amen? amen. So here we have this typology of the Old Testament showing to us that the blood is applied in many different areas and I gave you seven just as that blood was sprinkled now it's applied to your life if we don't do anything else before we leave today I want you to see the marvelous plan of God 
and the wondrous knitting together of Scripture and the wonderment of the fulfillment of Scripture that we see here. This cannot be humanly written. It's impossible. Let me leave you with this thought. In John 19, Jesus is on the cross. He's about to give up his life, and he looks down and he sees Mary, his mother. And this is be our vocabulary today. John, take care of my mother Mary. Take care of her. John is the only disciple, the only apostle that died a natural death. He was the longest living apostle. Everyone else died a martyr's death. Many believe the reason he did that is because he took care of Mary. He had to be alive to take care of the mother of Jesus. Take care, my mother, John. And then the scripture says that Jesus knew that it was going to be finished. And knowing this, that he was about to fulfill it, he said these words, I thirst. Now the Romans were in charge of the crucifixion. We all in agreement with that? But this is what the Roman soldiers did. There was a container of sour wine or vinegar there. They took a sponge and they soaked that up in that that sour wine or vinegar and they put it on a reed and it is described this way, they put it on a branch of hyssop. And they lifted up that branch of hyssop to Jesus and they touched the branch and the sponge to his body. And when they touched the branch and the sponge to his body, he cried out with a loud voice, It is finished. He didn't say I'm finished. He said this is finished. What's he doing? He's saying I have now fulfilled the scripture concerning me and completed the task of redemption. Please catch this. What in the world are the Romans putting a branch of hyssop up to Jesus? Because that is what you use to mark the door. And Jesus said, I am the door. And so the Romans took the hyssop and they touched our Savior who is the door and they marked the door with the blood of the Lamb. That's who we are. We're those who are covered in the blood. And it's finished. We don't need another sacrifice. We don't need any more blood. Let's just confess what we already have. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, say it in worship. Say it in prayer. Say it in thanksgiving. Say it when you're in trouble. I'm redeemed. I'm washed. I'm sanctified. I'm covered. I have access. Oh, wow. Stand with me. I'm done. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. 
Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.